The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. As our guest this morning, the African-American Heritage Society of Rutherford County's president, Mary Watkins. Mary, good morning to you. Uh, Good morning. How are you? Doing great. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. And from Oakland's mansion, the executive director, James Manning. James, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Good to have you both with us today. Great to be here. We're going to be talking about a lot of things happening in the community. And one of those things is uh, looking into history. I guess uh, this is probably going to be one of the first cemeteries in Rutherford County, but it was uh, so early that the graves were not marked. Uh, This is the Section M of the Evergreen Cemetery, uh, and and it was not the Evergreen Cemetery when this was created. I'm not sure we had many. If we had anything, it would have been the City Cemetery, Mm -hmm. but this probably... uh, predates some of those areas right yeah the um, new city cemetery in 1872 was created as oakland cemetery um, and in 1873 the name was changed to evergreen and the city had purchased 20 acres from james manny um, the owner of oakland's and the property was surrounding according to oral tradition and the manny family tradition the enslaved burial ground. So all the people who lived and worked died at Oakland's um, were likely buried there. But there's never been any written evidence or proof of it. Um, it's undisputed community oral tradition. And um, MTSU's used this GPR that has just been acquired. It looks like a push more, but uh, much more sophisticated, obviously. Um, and it has recorded over 30 graves in the area that is believed to be the nucleus so it uh, stands true and we're waiting for a report from mtsu for uh, you know a final number and location of graves and this will be beneficial for us in interpreting section m and it'll also be beneficial beneficial for evergreen because there are cremains and storage that rutherford county has and needs locations to bury and section m um, we don't know where there's open space where the the city can continue burying. So this information will help us further interpret the African-Americans who are likely buried here uh, in this area before Evergreen Cemetery was created and then um, give us that uh, information that we'll need to continue to use that section. Um, The Section M became the African-American section. We'd also like to learn when uh, African-Americans were able to be buried in other sections of the cemetery. That's just more uh, research that we would like to continue and answers to questions that we'd like to find. Now, let's look at, uh, at that particular search for the graves using global positioning, uh, you know, the scientific way of, of mm-hmm. locating it underground. Are you going to put uh, unmarked uh, panels on those areas so you'll know there is a person there? 
we haven't had that conversation yet. Right now, um, Mr. David Harper is building a memorial to all of the people who are buried in Section M and unknown graves, um, including those who are likely enslaved by the Mannies. Um, Evergreen Cemetery is contributing the uh, granite piece of stone. It'll be about three or four feet square or rectangular, and it will have that sentiment or uh, somewhat that sentiment that I just mentioned. If you go to Oakland's website, oaklandsmansion.org, in the very top center of the website is the word slavery, and you can click on that, and you can find um, more about what we're talking about today so if you want a little bit more depth than what we've covered or if you've got any questions you can always reach out to us through our website or give me a call that was james manning and uh, mary watkins is with us she is the president of the african-american heritage society of rutherford county uh, how many graves were discovered, or, or do you have any f- firm number on them yet? Uh, not at the moment. I think James, uh, like he said, it would been thirty. Now I don't know if this was before the uh, the seg- you know before uh, African Americans are actually being buried there by name uh, or whatever. So I don't know if the thirty includes. Uh, all of those in that area or whether those that we there's feel like no surviving any- records that have been located um, that tell us who the who the Manny's buried or how many enslaved people were buried there um, so that number of 30 that have been found near the center of it seems to be a, a reasonable number from other uh, plantations uh, looking at uh, barrel grounds there um, but there were the information that we'll get, the report is not completed yet by the Geosciences Department of MTSU. So once they are able to get their report finished um, and interpret that data for us, we'll learn a lot more of the answers to these questions probably. And But him saying that, there are some man is buried there. But by name, I've located a few by that name. But however, it doesn't... Um, proceed during the time of in slavery. These are manners that have been buried there since then, as well as some of the Murphys, because of the fact that some of the Murphys married into the Manny family. But there are a lot of African Americans that are buried there that do not have markers uh, that we know of. Uh, some of the family members that even in within our organization have family members buried there, but they just do not have headstones. So that's the reason why we want to put that there in um, honor of those that's buried there without the headstones as well as those that are enslaved that we feel like most likely they were buried there. Uh, I became interested in that uh, section back in 2002 when I was researching a particular person and um, I found out that uh, he was buried in that section but did not have a headstone. And also, that's when it was introduced to me, saying that that was a slave section. That's the reason why they did not stir- disturb that uh, that part of the uh, cemetery, the M section, and uh, and everything. So that's the why I became so interested in that. And I felt like they deserved some recognition. And that's when we partnership with uh, with James uh, and to see what we could do to honor those people that was buried there in that section. Now, this monument will do that in a major yes. way. It will. However, like he said, we do, will not have names on them. Hopefully down the road uh, that maybe we can put maybe an extension or something there once we find out, uh, the, find the records of those people that was buried within that area. So in that section, Section M, 
Uh, you mentioned there are people that do have tombstones. Yes. Who we do know who they are. Uh, what era were they from? Uh, I'm, I don't remember the exact date, but the scales were buried there. That's the only section that the African Americans could be buried in before de- uh, desegregation. So, Miss uh, um, uh, Kilgore, the scales, had, uh, there's lots of names there that have its stones. Uh, uh, Walter Page, uh, and I like going into the cemeteries and looking up those names because it gives you, when you're into history, it tells you a lot. And one particular person is Walter Page, and I went there. His whole family has a, a section there, and uh, and I wondered who he was uh, because of the fact the type of headstones that he uh, that was within that area. And I found out he owned a construction tr- company way back in 1920-something that, you know, we did not know about. He lived over in the academy area or whatever. So there is a lot of people, like I said, with the names. Now, when they start bearing there, I do not know exactly when. But I do know that's the only place they could be buried. And of course, now you can be buried anywhere as long as you can afford to be buried there. So. Right. <laughs> Evergreen was created in 1872 and 1873. So the enslaved were likely buried there beginning the as soon as the Mannies moved here from Murfreesboro, North Carolina, they were found living here by the 1820 census. So 1820 is likely the first time that individuals are buried there and they were enslaved on the Manny plantation. Then in 1872 and 1873, the cemetery is created around that section, but there are a number of graves that predate 1872 because a lot of individuals moved their friends and family members from the old city cemetery to the new city cemetery. Um, Laura Bartell is the director of the old city cemetery preservation project and she's also the director of the Rutherford County Archaeological Society and she's been consulting with us um, and she also has brought into the project Dr. Joe Collins um, who is in the geosciences department MTSU and he is leading the GPR uh, project and it's been wonderful to see other volunteers from the community reach out to us Um, and then the memorial was built almost entirely with funds that were uh, donated so it's been uh, very uh, refreshing to see so many people uh, reach out and want to participate Um, we're still hoping that we're going to find individuals that have some documentation and help us with uh, more names and and more dates and more details now you just said something that was fascinating and it caught my attention in a strange way you referred to Murfreesboro North Carolina and some of the people who have moved from there to here Uh, and if if we go back in history we recall the story of Cannonsburg and how Cannonsburg was the first name of Murfreesboro lasted about a month and then they changed it to Murfreesboro to honor Hardy Murphy Uh, so was was the situation was Murfreesboro, North Carolina, honoring the same Murphy, or, or I mean, with all of the changing of names, <laughs> uh, how how did that go time wise? Yeah, the Mannies moved here um, uh, from uh, Manny's Neck, uh, and they moved probably about 1815. Um, Sally Manny was the daughter of Colonel Hardy Murphy, the man that Murfreesboro was named for. Um, he was a land speculator and owned thousands of acres and had no will. 
um, being a woman, she didn't receive her inheritance, but her husband did, Dr. James Manny, and they moved here from North Carolina to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, um, to build on that property. And then, of course, the town was originally named um, Cannonsburg uh, in honor of the Cannon family, and the Manny's uh, son, Lewis Manny, married the daughter of Governor Newton Cannon, the first Whig governor of the state of Tennessee. Uh, so it was the Mannies, the Murphys, and the Cannons, all uh, pretty politically and socially connected family um, that, uh, that built Oakland's. And the reason that Oakland's was such a, a large plantation was they were entertaining and um, had quite a extensive outreach in the community but they also were buying and selling individuals um, not just for the management of the plantation but also buying and selling people just to make money uh, we know that dr manny bought a, a woman named sylvia and her children uh, ben and peter for fifteen hundred dollars and sold them a week later for sixteen hundred dollars uh, the manny's wealth was coming um, not uh, as much from the medical practice or from their investments in the railroad or from Manny Black and Company, a dry goods store they had on the square, but from the cotton plantations in Mississippi, um, in mm-hmm. Isaquina County, Mississippi. And they were buying and selling uh, human beings and moving them back and forth between the two uh, locations and really uh, generating an enormous amount of wealth from the cotton plantations there. And so the plantation here in Murfreesboro, um, through the research and the work with the Rutherford County Archaeological Society, we've learned that the cellar, uh, the root cellar that Arcas has been excavating for us right behind the mansion, and then also the spring house uh, are exceptionally large because there were just so many individuals that were living at Oakland's, much more than you would really expect. Uh, in the, 18, um, the 1860 census, there were 249 uh, enslaved that's a, that's individuals a small village. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and and all, how close is Section M to the to the physical home itself? Is it? Can you see it from from Oakland's? Mm-hmm. Not, but no, because the law of the land, the way the land lays, the um, you can't. But it's otherwise you would if it were a flatter area. But if you drew a straight line east to west, or nearly straight, not perfectly east to west, but the mansion. Um, and then as you move east, you will come to the, the spring. And then as you come up the hill, there are footings of cabins. And they may be where these slave cabins. Um, the Corps of Engineers found those footings in the last work that they did in phase three of the wetlands restoration project. And so we will uh, likely be able to use this ground penetrating radar to uh, first look at that section and then may do shovel tests or uh, we'll use guidance from ARCAS and other archaeologists. Um, ARCAS members, Laura Bartell and then Dr. Collins at MTSU did a shovel test under the base of the memorial uh, to be sure that there were no significant remains there. Um, but the dependencies of the plantation are often behind the main house, but not that's not always the case. Um, Oakland Court Public Housing was created and behind Oakland's, directly behind Oakland's on the um, north and also on the west side of the main house. And the topography, uh, topography of the ground was changed so significantly with that that there was no archaeological remains that are ever likely to be found there. But it was uh, 
often the case too that dependencies were to the sides of the main house and could have been in the front as well and that appears it could have been the case at Oakland's based on the findings of these footings by the archaeologists in phase three um, so if the dependencies did stretch east to west at Oakland's rather than north to south we may find a lot more of archaeological evidence and remains um, than ex expected uh, because the city owns uh, I think it's near 40 acres around Oakland's that are in Oakland's Park and so um, with permission from the city we'll be able to um, do further archaeological research it's really a tremendous um, resource for archaeologists and anthropologists and historians to have such a large portion of Oakland's Park still undeveloped because it is a historic and also a prehistoric site prehistoric so the what native americans were uh, there first and there is a prehistoric post hole uh, near the spring indicating that native americans built something there so okay. um, there's much much more to learn uh, about the history of um, the use of that property in the wetlands before the manis developed the plantation there so this could have some tie to the black cat cave perhaps which is over by the veterans administration mm -hmm. and has since been closed because of you know what's in there to protect uh, it. it dates back to the what ice age or something of that sort thousands of years earlier than we had realized that people were being uh, buried here i believe you're uh testing uh, pushing my knowledge <laughs> <laughs> better defer to our anthropologists and archaeologists um i would encourage you all to follow the rutherford county archaeological society on uh, facebook uh, and also their website, they have a number of free public community meetings, uh, many of which are held at Oakland's. And also follow the African American Heritage Society of Rutherford County on Facebook. Um, these partnerships are invaluable to us. And mark your calendars for Free Day, Sunday, May 15th, when those two organizations and several others will be at Oakland's um, to meet you and to learn more about their work in our community and what we're doing to partner together. So circle that date, Sunday. Sunday, May 15th is free day from 10 to 4. You can go on our website and get more information about that. Well, Mary, this has to be exciting for you because you're wanting to track some of the history in the community, and it, it's opening up all new areas. I mean, it, this is wonderful. It really is, and uh, we as the African American Hair Society, we are learning a lot uh, about ourselves, we uh, because of the fact uh, the history of the African Americans, what part they played here in Murfreesboro, are not documented or not readily available for us. So this is something that we are trying to do to bring it to the forefront to see what part the African Americans did play in this uh, this community. And that being said, a lot of people that live over there in that area probably do not know that that came off of the Manny uh, Plantation as well over there. Uh, I forget what ward they call that. Uh, is that six, six ward? They used to, back in the day, used to call them wards. But okay. You okay. think in terms of Lee Street, Jackson Street, mm -hmm. and Forest Street, all of those, that came off of uh, the Manny Plantation. And I have found um, some Mannies that lived in that area uh, uh, after, you know, uh, the, uh, slavery was over with. They still tend to live within that uh, that area and, uh, and everything. But it is it's very interesting as to what you can uh, uncover and what that exactly what we're doing. Like I say, we want to educate ourselves, and we're trying to document that history, and we're doing it so as to we're concentrating on putting up markers, uh, 
because of the fact when we started, there were not any uh, markers in uh, in Murfreesboro, uh, and matter of fact, in Rutherford County that we knew of that was uh, uh, dealing directly showing the African Americans what part they played, even with Holloway High School, when that being the only uh, African American school in Rutherford County, and it also served people uh, from uh, Woodbury, and I think maybe a few from uh, Bedford County, where they were living on that line. So we wanted to, uh, we want to, and that's what we are doing, identifying those places and trying to put up the uh, Tennessee historical markers. And in some cases, or with, like we're doing it uh, over at uh, Oakland, putting up the monuments. And I don't know if you've been down in the cemetery area um, recently, uh, spearheaded by Dr. Smith. We have three of those monuments even there in the cemetery community. One there being at the Ebenezer uh, Primitive Baptist Church, the Stones River Methodist Church, as well as the uh, old uh, cemetery school. Uh, The same type of markers are placed there as well. Now, since we're talking about markers, there is an old metal marker, the remains of an old metal marker in this section M, which is, I understand, pretty much where this new monument will be located. Uh, what is that marker, and how is there anyone, has there been any way to trace it? It's, uh, no, there is a name, I think, it, is it Carrie? It looks to say Carrie. It looks like it says Carrie. And when I first started doing that, and that's what was told to me, said that right there indicate the M section where the enslaved was buried because of that tin marker that's uh, been put there. And I've tried to research that myself, uh, but it's hard to do when you only have the first name. It would be, uh, you could do a lot better job with it if it had the last name instead of the first name. So uh, we've been trying to find that out. Uh, Evergreen, the uh, uh, Miss Brewer there, the director, said they do not know who it is. And uh, James and myself, we've been out there and we pulled parts off that have fallen off and they've put it down in there to try to find something that would indi- give us some kind of indication as to who this carry is. But we have not been able to, uh, to find out. But it sort of looks like uh, at one point it looked like a, a windmill, but you know, as you uh, metal tends to uh, deteriorate a little bit and uh, and it's beginning to fall apart. But I hope that we will be able to preserve that because I think it's very important for that particular area. Oh, very definitely. And and this must be similar to other monuments that have been discovered in the mm-hmm. past. It's not the only metal monument that I've, that I've seen here in Rutherford County. Isn't there one over at New Vision Baptist Church uh, that was over in a corner and deteriorating and then they preserved it or somebody preserved it uh, and it's uh, it's safe and, and looking good now? Um, I have not heard of that, but do you know uh, any indication of who's on that? Or? I, I don't know, but I know that uh, somebody has renovated it, oh, brought okay. it back to its original glory, and uh, it might be tied to the two of them. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah, and I hope that we will be able to do that because I think it's very important. Well, this we monument in Section M, uh, community tradition is that it was erected for the enslaved or for an enslaved individual, and the GPR found the majority of the unmarked graves right near it, which also um, mm-hmm. speaks true to community tradition. It was likely an obelisk when it was before the deterioration. Um, it's thin metal, so it could have been created, uh, handmade by somebody locally. 
there's another metal monument in um, Evergreen. It's oddly enough, the last name is Wood, even though it's uh, I think it's uh, I've forgotten what metal it's made of. It's a thick, heavy, stamped metal that would have been commercially made much different than this obelisk that we're speaking of. Um, so hopefully we'll find someone that has some uh, real history of it that's documented who it had a lot of handwriting on it uh, cursive handwriting that you just can't make out anymore now is there anything in the archives that would give you a direction not that's to go? been found so far I mean, we've talked with john lodel at the rutherford county archives and other researchers and doesn't mean it's not in the archive and just hasn't been found in the archive yet uh, that's always the case, possibility, too. There may be somebody listening who has some memories of, from your great-grandmother talking with you as a mm-hmm. child. Or, or if we had photographs of it from decades ago where we could make out some of the writing, that would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. You can talk or text. A lot to talk about this morning. We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be back and continue the conversation with Mary Watkins, And she is the president of the African-American Heritage Society of Rutherford County and also visiting with us from Oakland's mansion, their executive director, James Manning. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Rutherford County's Blue Raider Station, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, WGNS, Murfreesboro. If you want to get some barbecue, I'll tell you how to do it. Head for the Slick Pig and you're into it. Just walk through the door at 1920 East Main and your nose will send a message right to your brain. Say, mmm, smells good. And barbecue. Slick Pig. You got ribs and beans. Got spicy wings. Slick Pig. A Murfreesboro tradition. 1920 East Main. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We have an excellent sound room with good acoustics. If you want to try on any guitar in the store, if you've got a perfect place to listen to it, compare them side by side, see how the neck feels to your hand, which is important to a guitar player. We have keyboards to play, a room in the back for drums to give a run through with cymbals, snares, whole sets come in Music World and Drummer's Den and try out before you buy it. Music World and Drummer's Den. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military. I was on a guided missile frigate. Here is today's salute to veterans. I was in combat close to 18 months. Got out on early release in 73 when the ceasefire occurred. The so-called end of the uh, hostilities it never really did until 75, but for us it did, and I was early out because of my combat service. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. What was the atmosphere like when you did come home in the 70s? It was, it was really poor. Couldn't come home in my uniform, let's put it that way. I had to come home in civilian clothes because of the flights and because of the airports and the kind of reception that I could possibly get. You hear a lot of negative things about uh, when the Marines came back, and it's all true. In the latter part of the war, 
they didn't want us to have eggs thrown at us or uh, slurs or things of that sort, so I had to come home in civilian clothes. I didn't admit that I was a Vietnam veteran at all until in the 1980s. Uh, I couldn't get my old job back because I served in Vietnam. And so from that point until the 1980s, I never admitted I was a veteran at all. It would have been a negative, not a positive. You know, you don't hate the warrior, you hate the war. Vietnam veteran Ralph Givasio. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Get your good neighbor events to us in writing two weeks before they occur. We'll put them on the radio and the internet. WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We're talking about local history, a lot happening in the community. And we're focusing on Section M of the Evergreen Cemetery. That is the African-American section where mainly slaves from Oakland's mansion were buried. And there's an effort now to identify the location of the graves and to make monuments around the area. It's all part of our local history. Visiting with us this morning, the African-American Heritage Society of Rutherford County's president, Mary Watkins, and from Oakland's mansion, their executive director, James Manning. One thing that fits right into this, Mary, is the party of 12 uh, from the Rutherford Arts Alliance and that is a play that's coming up on April the 8th, 9th, and 10th over at the Patterson Community Center. And it includes everything, well, not everything, but it includes a lot about the leading ladies of Rutherford County who made a difference in the history of this community. The Party of 12 is mm -hmm. what it's called. Uh, and you can get the tickets. We want to go ahead and mention that right now. Uh, over at the Murfreesboro Center for the Arts. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little about uh, the Party of Twelve and how the African-American history is going to be portrayed there. Okay, uh, back in uh, 2019, the uh, Rutherford County uh, Arts Alliance had decided they wanted to do a play uh, for the went showing about the women's suffrage, and so uh, myself and another uh, Katie Wilson from the African American Hair Society joined that uh, was a part of that uh, committee. So the play was supposed to take place in 2020 because we know what happened with COVID the came along. COVID came along <laughs> and changed things. So uh, hopefully, you know, we're planning on doing it uh, uh, this in April. Uh, and what we done, we came up with a list of ladies that we felt like would be um, good to be uh, 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 portrayed in the uh, party of Tway of the play itself. Uh, and it was written by Mary Johnson from uh, Nashville. Uh, she's a playwright, and she have uh, written a lot of plays, my understanding is, and, uh, and everything. So we came up with a list of ladies, and out of that list that we wanted to be diverse, so we came up with uh, Party of Twelve, name of the play, and we identified uh, 
uh, five African Americans that we wanted to portray in that, as well as seven uh, uh, white individuals that we felt like was noteworthy of being portrayed in this play. And, uh, and everything. So that's how we, uh, myself, got involved with uh, the uh, part of Toya play that's coming up. Are you going to be we... physically in the play? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, um, we came up with the, the names and everything, but uh, also recommended some people to be in the play to represent those people that I knew that I have uh, worked with myself uh, in some plays, local plays in uh, here. So I'm looking forward to it and I'm very excited about it. I've uh, seen the script, I've read the script, and hopefully uh, this week I'll be able to set in on some of the uh, uh, where they're rehearsing for the play. And, uh, and everything, and a lot of the uh, the African Americans that they picked uh, is well known in this community. Uh, Nanny uh, Joyce Rucker, uh, Myrtle Lord, uh, uh, Lottie Sublet uh, Richardson from Smyrna, uh, also uh, Mary Allen Vaughn. We know about uh, Mary Allen Vaughn. We have put a marker there on Holland uh, Street in uh, honor of her because of the fact she owned the first African-American uh, newspaper here in Murfreesboro, the Murfreesboro Union, and as well as had in a school for adults uh, to uh, work with them on nursing skills because she was a, a nurse herself, and uh, also to uh, teach African-Americans to read so that they would be able to vote. So she's going to be portrayed in that as well as a Mariah. Uh, she was an enslaved to one of the other ladies that's in the, the place. So it should be good. And I hope that uh, Murfreesboro will support uh, this play. And Friday night is already sold out. I don't know how many um, uh, spaces are left, how many uh, from uh, for Friday. I mean, I'm sorry, for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I have not conferred with uh uh, patient to see or whatever but I do know tickets are still available and they're not very expensive they're only ten dollars so we just hope people will come out and support that event a lot of local history and yes, if you're new is. to the area you need to learn about the community right and myself you know I knew about the African-Americans a majority of them but uh, a lot of the white ladies that's there I knew about uh the Murphy lady, because of the fact when I was researching the Murphy family, I found about her out about her. But a lot of myself I did not know about. And I think it's very important, like you said, of what part that they played. Uh, the women, you know, uh, here in Murfreesboro, because not only was the African-Americans sort of kept down, so was women, you know, they had to stay in their place, too, as well. So this right here would bring out a lot of that history, which I think it would be great. Are you finding that more and more people are becoming interested in checking on their past, their heritage, the family heritage? Uh, yes, and uh, I do work with a group of uh, African-Americans uh, 65 and up over at Patterson on Thursdays where uh, my part is for them to research their family history. I got into it back in 2002 and I I just hated I didn't do it before then because so much of our history have gone to the graves that we don't know about and uh, and everything. And I found out in researching that a lot of time my illness is, is uh, hereditary and we don't know that. But I found out, but doing the research, I found a lot about my family 
that some things that's going on with us now, but it started way back because it's hereditary. And I think it is very important. And it's not only for us, but it's for those generations to come to know uh, from which they came, who their people are, because the younger generation, I know within my family, uh, they know about the, you know, their first cousins and stuff like that, but they they don't know how to go beyond that. And I think it's very important because this uh, this world is really small, and uh, you never know how you're gonna meet up with some of your relatives, and you don't even know that because of the fact you do not know your family history. Now this. Working with Section M uh, at the Evergreen Cemetery, this could explode into a whole, a whole rebirth of mm-hmm. checking on your family history uh, just from getting interested in the project. Are there still a, a lot of opportunities for people to get involved in, in this project? Uh, well, we pretty much, uh, James did sort of like a fundraiser to, to for people to participate, you know, uh, donate to get the monument built, and the community really did a, I mean, it didn't take hardly no time for us to get the money to build the monument and uh, and everything. Hopefully we can carry it even further as money donations come in, uh, maybe even carry it a little farther than what it is now mm-hmm. and uh, and everything. But we would love for people to give donations because there's other things that need to be done oh, yeah. within this community uh, that need to be um, honored and identified and for people to know. And, uh, and everything. So hopefully we will get some uh, donations. And uh, like I said, they've really been good about donating. I think the best thing for people to do if they're not already members of both organizations are to join both organizations because that way you're going to stay in touch and mm-hmm. be sure that you're on our mailing list. And when the need arises for um, something, you'll be able to contribute to it. Um, the organizational dues are very small, um, but it's more important to stay in contact. So um, go to Oakland's Mansion's website, oaklandsmansion.org, or the Facebook page for the African American Heritage Society, mm-hmm. and um, join up today. You can also make um, contr- contributions uh, on our website. If you're already a member, you can continue to contribute. And if you have any questions about specific way or suggestions of how you would like to contribute funds and how you'd like to have them used, you can reach out to either of us. And it's interesting just to walk around the land around Oakland's mansion, because as you mentioned earlier, uh, it's just so much to see. The Mm -hmm. springs, uh, the home itself is gorgeous, and and all of the land around it is, is just walking through history. And you're, you're going to be offering something in the very near future, the Arboretum or Arboretum. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little about that yeah. and what opportunities when that Mary, will offer. When Mary and I were waiting this morning, I picked up the current spring-summer 2022 edition of the Merceboro Parks and Recreations Rec Connect. And if you open it up right to the very center, it falls open to the um, Arboretum map at Oakland's. And we have, I think, 40, no, 74 trees that are identified. Oakland's Park is a level two arboretum certified by the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council. Um, There's walking trails throughout the grounds. Um, Number 17 on the map is the History Oak. It's about 300 years old. It's right behind the picnic pavilion and has a fence built around it, so it's easy to find. Um, Go down to the spring, which was the nucleus of the property. Um, while the Mannies were able to grow their plantation so large, it was that water source. Um, 
the grounds are really uh, a tremendous resource, as you say, for our community. It's our largest downtown green space. Um, it's a historic and a prehistoric site that provides an outdoor classroom um, for educators. And we are just thrilled and honored to be the ones uh, in charge of passing it on and its best to the next generation. And, of course, the wetlands uh, on behind the project is very much a part of local history, too. Yeah, in addition to the acreage that is open within Oaklands Park, there is additional acreage that is wetlands that is owned by the city of Murfreesboro, um, and that is wonderful to have that space open. Um, and the city uses it for research and um, education, as do we. I think people don't realize how big Oakland's plantation was. Right. How, if, if, what what landmarks can you share that would have been approximate boundaries? Yeah, uh, um, the acreage is about 40 uh, now, and so many people think that the boundaries today represent the historic boundaries, and they certainly don't. Um, the Manny's driveway began at Lytle Street. There's a shift in Manny Avenue. The road makes um, a turn there. And the Manny's developed Manny's addition, the first subdivision of Murfreesboro, along their front driveway. But the mansion was situated in the corner of 274 acres originally. That was uh, the land grant that Colonel Murphy had purchased just from Ezekiel White and that Sally and James Manny inherited and moved here to live on was 274 acres. And the mansion was the, uh, towards the square uh, in that corner of the property. So it stretched out to uh, Lytle Street and to the Nashville Highway. Um, when Dr. Manny divided his farm um, between his heirs, there were over 600 acres, um, and it stretched between uh, current-day Oakland's boundaries and MTSU primarily. Wow, mm-hmm. big. Yeah. yeah, and I want to commend uh, James because uh, uh, since he's been there, he's really trying to bring the forefront of what the part the African-Americans played in the Oakland mansion, which it hadn't to me. I've been here around Rutherford County all of my life, and uh, that wasn't presented. So he's trying to make it visible. He's talking about educating. He's trying to educate people about the part that uh, African-Americans did play in the Oakland mansion, and I appreciate, uh, appreciate that from him. Well, the historic site that we operate today was built on the back of enslaved Africans and their forced labor, Um, and we did not do our due diligence to interpret that for decades. We didn't collect those stories, and as Miss Mary said early, too many people are taking those stories to their graves. So um, if you've reached out to Oakland's in the past with information and we didn't do a good job with that, um, collecting that information, curating and distributing it, try again um, and trust us to uh, do our best to use that information for the benefit of our community. It's not our job to determine who's bad or good in history. It's our job to collect this information and pass it forward to our future generations. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they can learn from our mistakes that we are continuing to make, um, but trying to do better every day. Very good. I tell you, this is exciting to hear this. We're talking about history, and we're talking about preserving history. We will be right back. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett, hitting right at what matters most to all of us here in the heart of Tennessee. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. 
If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your spring gardening needs. We have everything you need for your garden, your lawn. We have clothing, some of the greatest gift ideas. We also have baby chicks. So please come see us for everything you need for your farm and home needs. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. This is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your spring gardening needs. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Skies will become mostly sunny here this afternoon with temperatures holding rather steady. And for tonight, slight chance for rain early, mostly cloudy skies alone near 37. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 52. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street, online at tireworld.us. This is Chip Walters, and I'll have Middle Tennessee football and basketball games for you right here. MTSU Sports on WGNS AM, FM, online. Welcome back. We are talking history this morning. Visiting this morning with African-American Heritage Society of Rutherford County's President Mary Watkins and Oakland's Mansion's Executive Director James Manning. James, there are some events coming up soon at Oakland's that people need to be aware of. You've already mentioned the free day in May again. When is that date? It's Sunday, May 15th from 10 to 4, and then that evening from 6 to 9, the Middle Tennessee Symphonietta and the Murfreesboro Little Theater will be doing free performances under the History Oak. Uh, You can just bring your own blanket or chair, and we'll have My Roots uh, curbside culinary food truck there for you. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. May 15th, 10 until 4, and it is free. It is free. (laughs) The price is right. Uh, Tell us about the other event coming up. Uh, April 23rd, we have Arboretum. Um, Oakland's Park is an arboretum. Uh, which is a showcase of trees. We're certified by the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council. And in this event, we partner with Liquid Smoke, and their experts will bring beer that um, has notes of the trees that will be highlighted on the self-guided tour. So we'll have staff members, including our master gardener, Connor Moss, who will be there to talk with you and tell you about the trees, particularly and about other aspects of the park. And then you'll be able to sample these beers uh, that Liquid Smoke has brought for you to try we'll have live music the mansion will be open for self-guided tours and there'll be music at the mansion too and it's only thirty dollars and all the funds go back in a portion of the funds go back into the work on the grounds 
So that's all part of the work to to keep Oakland's mansion alive, intact, and in good shape. So. It is, and it's a partnership with Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation on our grounds um, for free day um, for Sunday, May 15th. That is a great day for our residents to uh, meet some of our partner organizations that will be there and for new people that have moved here to Murfreesboro recently and there are a lot of them that are wanting to get familiar with our community this is a great location and time uh, for you to be able to do that because we're going to have not only the African American Heritage Society with us we'll have the Center for Chinese Music and Culture the Murfreesboro Little Theater Rutherford County Archaeological Society um, the Murfreesboro Muslim Youth Uh, we'll have food trucks and live music uh, and the residents of Oakland Court Public Housing Development which is under reconstruction right now phase one will be completed and so we'll have a hundred new residents in phase one uh, that will have just moved on to uh, into into the neighborhood um, so this is for our residents and our visitors alike that's going to be an exciting new de- it's beautiful from it what is. I've seen yes, so far it really is we can really be proud of that right now, uh, you mentioned that the African American Society uh, will be there. Tell us what you hope to do. With- well, we just want to uh, continue to get the word out that we do exist because you'd be surprised a lot of people in Murfreesboro still do not know about the African American uh, Hair Society. Uh, we were organized in January of 2014, and uh, so, and we just now received our 501. <sighs> Three. <laughs> takes a while. <laughs> see, see, yeah, it took a while uh, to get it done uh, and everything. So we have gotten that. So we are glad. So we'll be able to write some little small grants to get some stuff done. And we just want to focus on places, especially, you know, uh, the Benevolent uh, Cemetery. We just uh, recently put a, a marker there, I think, back in November. And we want to, you know, uh, help them to preserve that and to, you know, do some work out there as well as uh, probably we would probably start doing some fundraisers just like we did for the Oakland Mansion to get people to uh, donate monies and stuff. And we'll be a write-off now that we do have that 5013C. And uh, we're just trying to identify places of hist- uh, of historical significance. And uh, so we can put markers. We're looking at uh, the Rutherford County Courthouse. I've had, uh, we talked to uh, Mayor Catherine about uh, uh, a marker there uh, because we feel like the African Americans probably had a lot of input in uh, that uh, the courthouse in itself, and we know that there were uh, there was a slave uh, there wasn't a slave market there, but there was a marketplace where they auctioned off the slaves there on the west side. So we think it's very important to uh, for Rutherford County to tell the whole story. We don't want it to be a stumbling block for people to draw attention for things to happen. We just want to preserve the history and let people know what part that the African-Americans did play in this uh, this community. Now, do you meet on a regular basis? Uh, yes, we do. We, we meet uh, uh, once a month, uh, the fourth. Uh, right now we're doing Zoom on uh, the fourth Saturday morning at uh, 10 o'clock um, by Zoom, and hopefully we'll eventually get back uh, and start meeting in person at Bradley Academy Museum. We want to say a special thank you this morning to... Mary Watkins, the president of the African-American Heritage Society of Rutherford County, and to James Manning, the executive director of Oakland's Mansion, for joining us this morning.